0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second season of The Land That Normalcy Forgot. I am your host, Thunderstruck Squirrel. Last season, we mostly talked about gaming, horror movies, TV show and pop culture. This season, though, we will talk more about the supernatural and true crimes. I hope you're ready because you're in for a wild ride. Get ready! Today, I'm going to talk about a true crime story that rocked the province of Quebec in Canada. On September 9th, 1949, A DC-3 crashed along the coastline of Charlevoix, about 65 kilometers away from Quebec City. So what happened? Who did it? That's what I'm going to tell you right now in this podcast. And prepare yourself because it is quite a crazy story. It was so wild that there was subsequently, there was a book made about it and then a feature film. On the morning of September 9th, the DC-3 left Montreal around 11 a.m., It stopped in Quebec City to pick up some more passengers and some parcels. About 65 kilometers after the plane left uh, Quebec City, uh, it was reported that a crash of thunder was heard uh, over the Chalewa coastline. Um, A fisherman who was present at the time said he looked up at the sky and he he later reported uh, to a reporter from The Sun, uh, in French, called Le Soleil, he said that he looked like the plane had been hit by uh, an object or something. Something had happened to the plane. The plane, which had been flying from Montreal to Becormeau with a stopover at Quebec City, lost altitude and crashed. All 19 passengers and four crew members were killed in the explosion and subsequent crash. One of the victims on that flight was a woman named Rita Morel and she was the mother of a four-year-old girl. That will be very important later on, but before I get to that, let me get back to the plane that crashed. At nightfall, investigators with the Canadian Pacific Airlines found the plane. Unfortunately, they came to find that none of the passengers had survived. The plane had crashed in a remote forested area called Sault Cochon and bodies lay scattered around the, the carcass of the airplane. The investigators threw out the theory of uh, mechanical malfunction due to the fact that the propellers were twisted. This meant that uh, they continued to spin until the moment of impact. The fact that the plane was in great condition uh, would be re- really crucial to the investigation because it allowed the RCMP, uh, Provincial and Quebec City Police Officers, to determine exactly where the bomb exploded. The investigators were quite lucky that the uh, Plane was in such good condition, relatively speaking, of course. What they found in the baggage compartment on the left side of the plane were several items that had been picked up in Quebec City. And the logbook indicated that the person who had dropped off uh, parcels at the last minute had given a false address. So they, they went off searching for that mysterious person. And they finally got a testimony from someone at the airport that a tall woman who dressed in black had arrived in a taxi. And the taxi they, they later found a taxi driver who said that the, the client was very elegant and she had, she had a package that she talked about and she referred to as being very fragile. In the end, it was largely because of uh, an article published in a newspaper that the police were able to identify the woman. Uh, the woman was named Marguerite Pitre, and she was nicknamed the, cr- the crow, the riven, uh, by the, her, the people in her neighbor- neighborhood because she often wore black. Uh, so she became, at that time, the main suspect of that crime. When Marguerite Pitre learned that she was a suspect, in that, that case that of the plane exploding, um, she became suicidal, she couldn't take it. She did try to take her own life. And just to give you a little background here, um, in Canada up until 1972, it was, it was actually illegal to try and commit suicide. Um, so she was in the hospital um, when police officers came to talk to her and ask her about the case. She did try to spin a story. She claimed that the parcel that she left uh, in Quebec City was from uh, Mr delphis Bouchard um and he wanted to sign it to another mr uh, Mr Albert Pof of Becomo and that it was albert gay a thirty one year old uh, watchmaker and jeweler from Quebec City, and who also employed her own brother. so she did point the finger she did spin a story she pointed at all these people. Um, the police interrogated uh, Mr. Adelphys Bouchard, and he denied having sent any parcel. Uh, the police were incapable of... They they could never find any traces of Mr. Alpha Proof in Becomo. They never found him. Um, what they did found, however, when they, they looked at the, all the names of the crash victims, uh, they found the name of... Um, Rita Morel. She was Albert Gay's 29-year-old wife. Um, this is, what they learned was that Gay had purchased a plan ticket for his wife and at the exact same time, he had taken out a uh, 10,000 insurance, uh, insurance policy on her life. Um, Mr. Uh, Albert Gay actually had a 19-year-old mistress and that's, that is actually how he knew uh Marguerite Petre because his mistress had lived with, with her. So, as I told you earlier, Mr Mrs. Marguerite Pitt had been suicidal after the first time she was questioned by the cops and that time she told them about uh, mister Albert Bluff and Mr Delphine Bouchard and her brother and Mr Albert Gay. After that she um she did try to overdose on sleeping pill. Uh she did survive um but the police went and questioned her at the hospital. Um it was then that she did tell them uh she was in a state of near hysteria, she was obviously not in a good state of mind. She did tell the, the, the cops that uh Albert Gay had told her that he had planted a bomb in the the parcel that he asked her to deliver. Um and he apparently he told her that she should kill herself because she was going to be blamed for the crime on september twenty third Albert Gay was arrested and charged with murder, so that was two weeks after the crash um in nineteen forty nine uh, in flight bombing was honestly very very rare, almost non-existent or unheard of at least um to give you an idea um Four months before this case here, uh before Gays arrest, uh, there was a case uh, in the Philippines where two ex convicts uh planted a bomb in an aircraft and thirteen people died. Um. It was one of like that was w- that was one of the first incidents of its kind, and in, in North America, it was it was unheard of. And every newspaper, like newspapers from all over North America, were rushing here to Quebec City. They they came here and they covered Gay's trial. Five months later, it was it was crazy because it was it was new. It had never happened really. Before I get to the trial of Albert Gay, I just want to go back on his personal life for a minute. Um. In nineteen forty, he married with his wife Rita Morel, and he opened his own jewelry and watch repair shop in nineteen forty-five. Uh, that year, he also had a child, a uh, girl, with his wife. Their their happiness was very short-lived. Um, they were fighting a bit, and they had they were uh in a lot of debt. He started having extramarital affairs. Um, in 1948, he actually started uh, flirting and getting into an affair with a 17-year-old waitress, Marie-Ange Robitaille. He visited, visited and called her a few times a week. He actually went to her house and he introduced himself and, under the name of Robert Enger. Um, the parents actually believed that he was single. They didn't know he was married and had a kid. Uh, Rabita didn't know that he was married with a kid, but she kept that from her parents. Um, his wife actually eventually learned of the affair. She was very pissed off. She was very angry. She went to the girl's parents, and she she told them about the affair between their daughter and her husband. Uh, obviously, that didn't go over well because they, they threw Rabita. Out of their house, so she ended up living with Marguerite Petre, who was actually a very close friend of Albert Gay. In fact, her brother ended up was working with Albert, uh, Albert Gay. So at that time, he started um, Albert Gay started going back and forth between his wife and and his mistress. Uh, that situation was not going over well with, you know, either a woman. So it was at that point that he decided that he was going to get rid of his wife of Rita Morel because he said, he thought that if he could get rid of her, nothing would stand between him and happiness and nothing would stand between him and his mistress. So I just want to go back and I just want to get back to this uh, for a second because this is very important. Uh, we're talking about 1949, Quebec, very Catholic place. Divorces were very, very, very hard to come by. And even if you did get one, which was already hard enough, uh, you were not accepted. You were not, you were ostracized in society. Uh, it was, you were dirty. And so he decided that he, he wasn't going to get a divorce. He was going to be a di- widower instead. So that would solve all of his problems. His wife is going to die and he wouldn't have to go uh, through all the trouble of divorcing. So it was then that Albert Gitt decided to convince uh, his employee and Marguerite Pitt's brother, General Rue, to make a bomb for him. General Rue was crippled by tuberculosis and he couldn't walk. However, he was very, very good at mechanical work. That is why uh, Gay asked him to do that. Rue used batteries, an alarm clock and dynamite that his sister had bought at the hardware store to make the bomb. Afterwards, Gay convinced his wife to fly to Becomo by telling her that he needed her to pick up some jewels for a shop. Marguerite Pitt delivered the parcel containing the bomb at the airport. The bomb clock was actually supposed to trigger an explosion when the plane was flying over the St. Lawrence, where the deep water would swallow the evidence. Then Gay would be rid of his wife, he would have the insurance money to save his business, and he could marry his mistress. However, there was a little problem. The, the plane was five minutes late and it exploded over the land. Then it, it was easier for the police to study the debris of the plane. Therefore, they were able to catch him. Had it not been for the plane being late, we might never have known what happened then. Albert Gay was tried and convicted in February 1950. During the trial, a lot more evidence was brought in against him that he really wanted to kill his wife. He was dead set on it. For example, a man testified that in April 1949, Albert Gay had actually tried to hire him and pay him $500 to kill his wife. After his conviction, Albert Gay issued a statement and claimed that Rua and Petre, when they acted, they they knew what he was doing, and they knowingly helped them. In June 1950, Rua and Petre were arrested and tried separately. Rua was tried in November and Petre in March 1951. Rua tried to claim at first that he thought he was making a bomb to clear tree stumps from a field. Afterwards, he tried to claim that Gay told him he needed the bomb to go dynamite fishing. Fay tried to claim that she thought the package she had delivered to the airport actually contained a statue. She claimed that she had no knowledge of the crime, she didn't know what had happened, she didn't know anything until after it had happened. Albert Gay was hanged for the murder of 23 people in 1951. Le Soleil reported that his last words were Well, at least I die famous. Généreux Rouet was hanged in 1952 and Marguerite Pitt in 1953. She was actually the last woman hanged in Canada. Marguerite Pitt claimed her innocence until the very end. She appealed to the Supreme Court of Canada to have the verdict overturned. However, her appeal was rejected and she ended up being executed in 1952. What a fascinating story, isn't it? Well, this is it for my first true crime podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. If you have any true crime stories that you would like to see me cover, don't hesitate to contact me and I will look into it. So I'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.